So another day with the Fertility Podcast going out every day during National Fertility Awareness Week UK in 2015. It's currently November and my guest today is a very interesting man, again, who I found on Twitter. Ash Carol Miller is the Chief Exec of Access Fertility, who, if you're going through private treatment, these guys can help with the payment plan, which can be massively overwhelming. Ash is going to explain everything. It's really interesting. But before you hear from Ash, I met him at Bourne Hall, which is where my husband and I had our treatment. So there's a little snippet of me approaching Bourne Hall because how it made me feel really kind of caught me off guard it was the first time i've been back there since we had our successful treatment welcome to another episode of the fertility podcast where i'm actually driving up the drive to Bourne hall in cambridgeshire in Bourne, looking at the autumn trees looking at the beautiful building of Bourne hall this is where i actually had my fertility treatment and I haven't been here since i had my transplant now, driving here, I was feeling a bit nervous. I don't feel too bad now. It's raining. And the reason I'm here is to have a chat with the chief exec of Access Fertility, who you're going to hear more about. But I just wanted to kind of capture myself driving in because it's bizarre how many people go back to where they had treatment once they've had treatment and been successful. I doubt very many. Maybe you have. Do let me know at Fertility Poddy. Do tweet me, let me know. And I even know already I'm driving to the same parking space. Why do we do that? We drive to the same parking space every single time. So I've just pulled in. I think the guy I might be meeting might even be opposite me. So I'll be back shortly. This is quite bizarre. So I'm sat in one of the consultation rooms in Bourne Hall where the last time I was sat here, I think I was being told how to do my injections. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm at Bourne Hall, which I haven't been to since I had my transplant uh, of, of successful IVF treatment. So that's a positive. But I'm here to chat with Ash Carol Miller, who is the chief executive of Access Fertility. There's an open day later on at Bourne Hall. If you've already found your clinic that you're having treatment at, you'll have, I'm sure, have been to an open day. Maybe if you're just kind of looking into clinics and whatnot, you'll know that there are open days to go. Like when you kind of checked out a university, you go and you, you find out about the, the clinic and you find out just how it feels and what, what the people are like. So Ash is going to be at this open day later on. We're going to hear all about the work he does within Access Fertility. So first of all, Ash, welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm keen to know more about Access Fertility because I found you on Twitter and we had a little chat and it's pretty fascinating. Before we talk about what you do, just tell me how you started with the organisation because it's a pretty specific offering that you have. Yeah, so I've worked in and around the fertility area, if you like, generally, fertility therapy area at least, for a good number of years. And one of the things that my colleagues and I who work with us at Access Fertility have noticed is that lots of patients are looking for a way in which to rationalise paying for their treatment, reducing the cost of treatment overall if they can, and making themselves feel more at ease as they go through treatment. One of the things that we picked up on was that many patients were leaving the UK to go to places like Spain or the United States where they offer what they call shared risk programs. So these are programs similar to what we're offering right now that allow patients to prepay for multiple cycles of IVF in advance uh, and also mitigate their financial risk 
by getting a 70% refund in our case. So we thought, why do patients need to leave the UK to access these services? We did a little bit of research around the numbers. Uh, we found 500 patients going to one clinic in the United States over the course of about five years. And, of course, those people that go to the United States, they're highly motivated, as most patients are in this area. But more importantly, they've got a lot of money. And money is very important. Not everybody can afford to make that choice. So unless you could have afforded it, you were left without that option. So we said we said to ourselves, this can't be right, it can't be fair. Let's build something here in the UK for UK patients. There's so much in the press with regards to funding. There's the postcode lottery, which we've talked about before on the Fertility Podcast. We know about various councils that have stopped funding, whole whole other episode. Let's talk about how you work with the, the funding packages that you offer, because there's, there's two different ways that people can work with Access Fertility, aren't there? Yes, that's right. Um, what we like to describe them as is treatment programmes. So patients come into us are in a mindset and have a frame of mind where they're treating their care rather than it being a single episode of care where maybe you're thinking I hope I get pregnant this time round and if it doesn't work out for me you know, obviously that's a very challenging time and I'll try and then think in that emotional state where we go from here and it can be very difficult to make decisions in, in those circumstances so what we try and encourage patients to do is to approach and think about their care in a very different way so look at it as a suite of care you know as a multiple treatment options are there for you in case you need them so if treatment one doesn't go very well then you know you've got other treatment there waiting for you at a reduced cost and you know with access fertility if you don't get to the end point of having a baby which is extremely disappointing and it's not just for the patient and for the clinic but for us as well everyone concerned wants you to have a baby but if you get to the end of that process and you haven't had a child then with our refund program we will provide a 70% refund so I would say that in all of our programs we offer the multi-cycle program and the refund program. We also have a donor egg program as well, which currently we only offer with Manchester Fertility. But the aim for us is to, first of all, fix the fees for the patients so they know where they are with costs, give them the peace of mind that they have a plan in place, reduce the financial risk by the 70% refund and just generally try to make people feel comfortable when they're going into their treatment so they can just think about the treatment they're receiving and not how much things are going to cost and where they go from wherever it might be. I mean, there's definitely something to be said for the peace of mind of knowing that there are three cycles. You know, there's there's more than one attempt available. I know we're talking about you paying for it. But one thing that I'm keen to just understand, because the HFEA doesn't regulate the cost of treatment set by private clinics in the UK at the moment. So how do you determine your fees? So the fees are based primarily on the success rate at the clinic. So Access Fertility will only work with clinics that we feel offer a great chance to patients. We wouldn't feel ethically right in saying to a patient, yes, please use one of our programs and please consider one of our partner clinics. It's not right. That would be a purely commercial rationale and it wouldn't sit well with anybody so we look at the clinics and what they offer we negotiate a fee that we want to pay the clinic per fresh and per frozen cycle including ICSI and we also include in many of our programs things like time lapse so embryoscope and EVA um, and Prima Vision, whatever it might be, as well as embryo glue and things like that. We negotiate the fee with the clinic and then we have an algorithm that allows us to come up with a reasonable price and we try and push that price as low as we possibly can. Now, we are a commercial organisation, there's no getting away from that. You know, We're a limited company, but we are doing our best 
for patients to get that price as low as possible. And I think any patient that spoke to us, I mean, many that do are absolutely flabbergasted at the, the, the price they're paying for the treatment with access fertility as opposed to directly with the clinic. Okay, that's interesting to hear. And I know you set out all the different areas that could cost. So it's not like if you are going into private treatment and then there's conversations about blastocyst or there's this conversation and it all t- keeps totting up. You, you, you do kind of lay out your stool, so to speak, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it gives people a great deal of reassurance when they when they know they've got a comprehensive package. You know, the last thing you want to do, whether it be buying a car, buying insurance or going on holiday, is thinking, and this is far more sensitive than that, it's far more important, you don't want to be feeling like you're going to be stung at every single opportunity. It's nice to be able to say, I've bought this package and I'm covered for my entire treatment and it's going to help to get me there. And I, not only does it relax the patient, but I think it also relaxes the clinic as well. They're not under any pressure they're not under you know they're not worried about calling a patient and saying oh, i'm sorry you know missus you've just had this done and so that's going to cost you a further 380 pounds or 600 pounds or in some cases a lot more i mean the classic example i would give is the patient who comes through one fresh cycle and has some embryos to freeze we would encourage them to consider having a conversation with their clinic first and foremost about using those embryos before they continue with any other type of treatment i mean from our position we would much prefer patients to not continue generating more embryos and going through the invasive procedure of a fresh cycle when they've already got embryos there to use now the success rates between fresh and frozen are different they're noticeably different across the board in, in most clinics but it does vary and it is improving so there are a number of reasons why that might be which we won't go into here because it will take too long um, but you know we would always encourage the patient to have that conversation first and foremost with the clinic and I know that you work with Infertility Network UK who we have featured numerous times on the Fertility Podcast so from a support point of view is that where you'd kind of point people if they are looking for more advice more support yeah i mean if any patient um, comes to access fertility and says what where can i learn more about this is there anything on offer to help me we're not the company to provide counseling and support and guidance in that way but inuk you know we carry the inuk logo on all of our literature it's on our website as well we provide some funding to inuk uh, and we always encourage patients to go and visit there we also encourage them to visit the hfea website because that's very comprehensive as you know uh, better than most Natalie. it's the regulator in the area and it's got a great deal of information on there, which is completely valid and uh, very trustworthy. And in terms of anything else that the patient can do, phone up the clinic. Don't be afraid to have a conversation. Don't be afraid to try and get a meeting with the counsellor or just ask if there's somebody at the clinic you can speak to. It doesn't always have to be with a doctor or a nurse. There's some very well-informed people in the clinic that can give sound advice. Now, as far as the clinics that you work with go, we mentioned some of the criteria previously as to what you take into consideration. Do you want to talk a little bit more about who you work with and why? Yeah, so, well, there's there's 15 clinic sites that we work with, including the whole Bourne Hall group from all over the country. Uh, we're moving into Scotland by the end of the year as well. We're a relatively young company, but our growth has been phenomenal. Uh, the reason that we work with the clinic, I mentioned about the success rates. Also, it's about the approach, the attitude of the staff. You know, we need to know... Look, all IVF clinics are regulated, as we mentioned, so they're all going to meet a certain minimum standard, and that standard is high. So using the word minimum, I don't want to mislead anyone and make, make them concerned that any clinic they go to might you know, not be up to scratch. Frankly, the minimum is high. But then there are other clinics where the attitude of the staff, the behaviour, the approach, the patient care is absolutely, noticeably and undeniably 
excellent. And we want to work with those clinics because in our heart of hearts, we want to be able to say to a patient, we work with this clinic for those reasons. We want you to have an excellent experience, not only with Access Fertility, but in the most important part, which is your care. And we wouldn't be able to look ourselves in the mirror if we were working with a clinic with reasonable success rates, but actually we knew that patients were having an incredibly poor experience whilst going through treatment because success rates are one thing, but it's the whole bit that's important. I mean, I know from personal experience and from people that I've interviewed for the podcast that there can be instances where news isn't told in uh, the best way and that has actually led to a change of clinics and it's not uncommon for people I think I like to reiterate that it's it's not uncommon to change clinics if you don't feel you're getting the service and I'm not saying that you know that's something that you, you know you're saying I'm saying it from the fertility podcast from my personal experience that if you're not happy with anything about the treatment you you perfectly within your right to change and I think the fact that you hold those kind of characteristics so high it's a really kind of credible thing obviously for for what it is the service that you're offering now with regards to the refund program that Access Fertility offers, and there's a lot of detail on the website, and we can talk a bit more about it because you you, you touched on the 70% refund if you're not successful. That's at the end of the three cycles, is that correct? We provide a 70% refund to any patient who does not have a child, and it's a live birth, so there's a couple of you know harrowing thoughts that you can have. You know There are things that can prevent the child from getting to live birth, uh, to, to a delivery. So if that doesn't happen, it's 70% back. But we would never, ever insist that anybody continue with treatment when it's no longer either in their best interest or they just don't want to do it. And there's no such thing as a, a valid or invalid reason. If someone's had a change of heart, if someone no longer wants to pursue treatment, that is their choice and their right. So if any patient elects to withdraw from the refund program at any stage, you have to one or two fresh cycles, it doesn't matter, they will still receive a 70% refund from Access Fertility. Now, I found this quite amazing. By chance, I'd found out about this before I knew about you. I'd heard about the Manchester Clinic, who I think are the first or were the first that were offering this. Um, and I thought it was just kind of mind-boggling that there's a money-back idea, but it's kind of in line with, I suppose, the modern world and how, how we expect things to operate. If it doesn't work how we want it to, we get our money back. But I'm keen to just understand, if you're successful after your first cycle – cost for cost wise how do you compare and i and i hate putting this price tag on it but it's a fact of 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 the whole fertility world that you know there is this this such there's such a variation in cost so if you have one cycle it's successful are you better off going with you than someone else if you're going to have one cycle and you're going to have a baby in one cycle you're better off paying for one cycle directly at the clinic but unfortunately, the sad reality is that most patients will need more than one cycle. So we're very, very clear to patients when we speak to them. We say, if you do have a child on that first cycle, you have to accept and be comfortable with the fact that you will have paid more for the cost of your care. And we don't hide away from that. That's just what it is. Because we know two-thirds of people will need more than one cycle, we feel comfortable with that. We then use that additional money. That's not profit. We then use that additional money to support patients who are continuing through treatment. If you look at the average cost of a cycle, it's between five and £6,000. The average cost of the, of the 
For the under-35s, the average cost of our refund programme without ICSI is around nine and a bit thousand pounds. So if you look at the cost difference there, as soon as you've gone on to your second fresh cycle, then you've already saved money. And we say to all patients across all of our programmes, whether it be our refund or a multi-cycle programme, if you end up having the maximum entitlement of care, the minimum you will save is 30%, and in some cases as high as 50%. So if a patient on the refund program were to have three fresh and three frozen, they're guaranteed to have saved 30% minimum compared to what they would have paid at the clinic. But coming back to your original point, if you're going to have one cycle, yes, go to the clinic, but who can tell that they're only going to need one cycle? I think, Mike, I touched on the peace of mind of, of, of how it's going to pan out for you knowing there's more than one chance I think personally really helps I mean we went into treatment knowing there was three rounds available and I I do think that 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 mindset helped and I think that that's a really big thing to consider with the decision that you make and most of the people that I speak to who tell their fertility story cost is not an issue when you're at this point you know and and your your route unfortunately is going to have to be fertility treatment so it's good that you're so clear I think it's really interesting what it is you're offering and and how does it work when you were when you come to these open days like at Bourne Hall what kind of chats do you find yourself happening is it having is it pretty much like we've just had I mean are people aware that there's there's organizations like Access Fertility that can help them I'd say that the awareness of Access Fertility and what we do is very very low we're a very new idea we've been around for about 18 months Uh, So our job is to raise awareness of it, is to make sure that any patient coming through treatment doesn't find out about it after the fact so that at least they can consider it. And the way that we work with clinics is to say this is about, you know, improving patient choice. It's not about replacing the way that patients have paid for treatment traditionally. For some patients, that will always be the right to go, the right way to go. And so carry on, go ahead. That's what's best for you. But for other patients, and we have hundreds of patients who've now enrolled with Access Fertility, they do want to go down this route. They do want to feel that they've got a plan in place and that they're covered no matter what. So one of the things we're here for is to help raise awareness. But also I love speaking to patients about what we do and helping them to understand it. And it's nice to speak to someone face-to-face. It's, it's more, it's better than speaking on the phone. So we take these opportunities where and when we can to raise awareness and to, to meet people. And we also listen to feedback from patients. You know, we've had one or two pieces of feedback over the past 18 months, which we've incorporated. It may be critiques of our literature. It may be ideas around our products. It may just be questions which we haven't considered. You know, we're not a... We're not an arrogant company, we're quite modest and we want to do this for patients. So we like to take the opportunity to take that feedback on board and incorporate it where we can. We can't do everything, but you know, we will listen and try if we can do. Because we'll put the links to your website on, on the show notes. What I was interested in was the kind of flow chart that you have, which when I first saw it, I was thinking, is it making light of this whole thing? But I then I kind of like that you very clearly set out, if you're looking at this, then you go to this and you go to this. And, and do you feel that by making it so blatant, it just, the navigation, I suppose, of what people are trying to find? Because one of the things with the Fertility Podcast and, and the reason for, I suppose, the existence of this is that there can be such an overwhelm of information. You've, you've made it very clear with what, you've, what you're making available and how it's presented on the website, which is obviously going to be uh, intentional. Are, are you finding that the, the feedback with that, for example, is, is positive when people are coming to you, how they the route through? It varies, I have to say. I mean, 
you make a great point in that the variety and quality of information available to patients is incredible. You know, some patients come to us and they're, they're overwhelmed by information. They're almost experts on IVF themselves, but they, they're still not sure about what they're going to do because there's so much choice. Other patients come to us and God, they don't know where to start. They've no idea that they feel absolutely flummoxed because of all these terminologies, you know, the, the ICSIs, the PGD, the PGS and the RACGH and all this other stuff. And it's just, where do I even start? So from the very, very start, you'll notice from our website, it's clear and it's simple. We don't want to add to that. We want to be helpful. So we're very succinct in describing what we do. Um, we encourage patients to give us a call. That's the best way to get information from us. And we don't have any time limits. We'll spend an hour. We often do spend an hour talking to people about their situation, what they want to do. Um, but on the website, certainly the idea is, okay, there's enough complication out there as it is. There's enough difficult decision-making going on. We need to make this as simple as possible so it's easy to digest and understand and therefore easier for people to consider. I, I was struck by the clarity, which I think is something that you don't often get when you're looking at the kind of things and so thumbs up pat on the back for that one finally i know you talk in the way that you work on the website about the point at which access facility gets paid do you want to just clarify that yeah absolutely and again we're more than happy to answer any of these questions on the phone we're very very clear in what we do we don't hide anything away because we think that what we're doing is a fantastic offering to patients and to clinics alike so you know please ask any question you like on the phone Access is responsible for paying the clinic for the entirety of the patient's treatment. Right. So the patient would, hopefully, if they're interested and they want to go ahead with it, after they've taken time to think about it with their partner or on their own, or whoever, whatever the situation might be, would sign an agreement with Access Fertility. And that agreement details exactly what the services include, what treatment they're entitled to, and gives them hope, gives patients, hopefully, a peace of mind that they're covered for a very comprehensive suite of options. Then the patient makes a payment to Access Fertility and Access Fertility then makes the payment to the clinic as the patient goes through the treatment. So if the patient has three cycles of IVF and the clinic will be paid after each cycle of IVF by Access Fertility. So the payment is made to Access Fertility and then we make we pay the clinic as the patient goes through treatment. Very concise. Very interesting. Well, like I said, we're going to put all the details of Access Fertility on the website. Ash's details are all there as well. Are you going to be at the Fertility Show this year? Yeah, we're going to be at Stand 48 at the Fertility Show. Nice Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be there on both days. We'll be wearing nice, crisp white shirts with our logo on. So please feel free, as we were last year, to come along and, and have a chat with us and, and find out more about what we do. Thank you, Ash. Really interesting what Access Fertility are doing. And don't forget, of course, you can download the show notes. So it's thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash season two ep five. And you can find out how you can get in touch with Ash and learn more about Access Fertility. Make sure you've subscribed to thefertilitypodcast.com because episodes are coming every day this week for National Fertility Awareness Week UK. So we'll be back tomorrow. And we're going to be catching up with Susan Seenan, the Chief Executive Officer of Fertility Fairness. Again, Susan is going to just give us an update on the funding cuts that have gone on with regards to NHS funding for fertility treatment. So don't miss that.